Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We are presented with the support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us. The arts and culture scene in Northeast Ohio is vibrant. It is important not only for its aesthetic qualities, but its economic impact in the region. Recent study, 2018, from the Ohio Citizens for the Arts, said that the economic impact of the creative sector was over $9 billion, some 60,000 jobs were in that sector, as well as some $3 billion in both salaries and proprietor income. So it's a key part of our economy. There have been a lot of great arts organizations that have supported the arts here in Northeast Ohio, but the thought over the last few years is try to get them all under one umbrella, singular voice, and that is now happening starting this summer with the Assembly for the Arts, a new arts organization who's going to advocate for all the arts organizations here in town. Jeremy Johnson is its new head. He is a person who grew up here in Northeast Ohio, has been away for a while, and now we're glad to welcome him back. Mr. Johnson, thanks for being with us today. It is great to be here with you, Dan. It's such a pleasure to be here with Crane's Visitors. Thanks for inviting me. So I must admit that I'm a bit guilty. I think to myself, you know, you could be the head of the widget company and not really care about widgets. But since I was in that creative sector for so many years, people who do that seem to be really passionate about it. And your passion started early. Oh, yeah. Uh, Passion for the arts sort of was uh, built into my Cleveland DNA as as a a kid growing up in Cleveland and uh, most of that time in Glenville, uh, close to University Circle as a child in school, uh, really just... uh, drinking in uh, the arts and culture of the area from the Cleveland Museum of Art to to field trips to Severance Hall, now Severance uh, Music Center, to uh, the great theater that's here, uh, Playhouse Square, and uh, on and on. So I sort of grew up at a time where that was a part of many young people's uh, experience in in the schools here. And even even during the, the, the summer, I took lessons at the Cleveland Music School Settlement. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm very passionate about the role of arts and culture uh, for a city, for a region, because I saw uh, Cleveland's uh, many legacy institutions and now newer institutions helping to lift our city and lifting families and, and people and businesses and artists and workers. You spent a number of years in Newark as an arts advocate. As you look at that scene in Newark and look at it compared to Cleveland, are there some similarities, some places where we converge and some places where we're different? Yeah, places certainly where uh, the role of arts is, is, is big in most great cities. And that, uh, you know, Cleveland is certainly no different. Uh, Newark uh, certainly was, really was uh, used the arts, has, has used the arts to really get onto the national front page. Uh, and what I'm really excited about here in Cleveland is that we're we're about to enter uh, a mayoral election, and we, as the arts and culture industry, we are we're asking the candidates where do they stand? Will they be champions for arts and culture? Will they understand the economic impact of arts and culture? How it links so, to so many things? And I did see that in Newark when I was there working with uh, two prior mayors, Mayor Raz Baraka and Mayor Cory Booker. Uh, I was a philanthropic liaison for both of them and ended up being uh, the head of the Arts Council there in Newark. It's called uh, Arts Newark, but uh, Newark Arts, that is. So I am thrilled to be back in Cleveland and to sort of really infuse just another bolt of energy into what's already great. And as you already mentioned, to bust the silos. Yes, we are a world-class orchestra. We are a world-class museum. We're a world-class uh, uh, theater uh, center. And we are so much more. We're individual artists. We're designers. We're architects. 
We are creatives. We are muralists. We are dancers, performers. We're filmmakers. We are uh, innovators. All of these things fall under this umbrella that we call arts and culture. Um, and it's not just one institution. It's not just one organization. It's not even just one nonprofit. We also include under this umbrella things like our music businesses, where our great bands play. Cleveland is a hub for live music. I love talking about that. And uh, we are elevating Cleveland as a place where all these arts and culture play a role. But here's what we need. We need to have investment. We need to have support. And we need to have a bully pulpit and an investment pulpit from City Hall, from the county, and from the state. What we do in Northeast Ohio and Cleveland with arts and culture has an impact across the state. And that's another message we're sending to our leaders, public and private. You mentioned the mayoral campaign. I know you were interviewed for an article in the uh, new startup, The Land, along with several other arts leaders talking about City Hall's involvement or lack of involvement in, in the arts scene here in Cleveland. Why do you think that is? Is it just a question of priorities or finances or people haven't advocated hard enough for it? Is, do we have an answer for that? Well, we certainly could do more advocating. I'm not, I can't answer the question of why, but I can say, certainly answer the question of why not? We need to be doing more of this. Uh, absolutely more. There, let me just give you an example just from, from recent headlines in Cleveland, why we should come together and why we should leverage public support with what's happening on the private side and other public side. So I'm going to give you two numbers. Uh, the first number is uh, $50 million. Does, do you remember that headline in, in recent weeks? $50 million was a wonderful grant to the Cleveland Orchestra that is just going to infuse this world-class uh, organization from a private family foundation that is, is a big name here. But how do we leverage and double and triple that across the land? How do we, um, I love the word leverage because I see my role at assembly is leveraging important things. So we've got that for our great Cleveland Orchestra. But are there other areas where we could double that? Are there other philanthropists, other investors looking to say, we could do that too. We, we need to support this work across the land, our great Cleveland Orchestra, but other institutions, other organizations, other impacts. Let me give you a second number. And that number is $300 million is the amount of public federal dollars that has come to Ohio through NEVA the National Independent Venues uh, Association. And it has been spearheaded right here in Cleveland by our music industry. Uh, many of us know Sean Watterson, the owner of the Happy Dog. Uh, right here to Cleveland alone, out of that $300 million, $100 million to, to help save and preserve our live music venues. So that's happening on a federal level, Small Business Administration. But what is happening on a local level? How are we uh, using both our dollars, our policies, everything from things around admission taxes to things around uh, permitting, ease of permitting? How are we bringing those things together to make Cleveland even a more vibrant place, especially in the aftermath of a pandemic? So places like the Happy Dog can stay open and their, their brother and sister uh, clubs across the city can be a live music scene. So other places can continue to flourish. So I just use those two examples where dollars are being invested in Cleveland, but we need to leverage that up so much more. You open this, this by saying uh, our industry in this region is $9.1 billion to the economy. That is great, but that's also pre-COVID dollars. The arts industry was the first to close with the pandemic, 
and we're the last really to open. We're, we're inching back and we're still making up for lost time. Uh, people that were laid off that haven't returned or rents that weren't able to be paid or concerts and shows that didn't happen and contracts that were closed. Thankfully, the federal government has helped, but we are not whole yet. People are not reemployed. So if I could leave you and your viewers with anything, because this is after all cranes, the workforce component of the arts and culture industry is huge for this area. We already know the impact of our health industry, uh, uh, of our sports industry, but arts and culture is really, uh, some say we're third or fourth in, in terms of the amount of economic uh, impact on our region. And we need to keep that stronger for jobs, for jobs and for jobs. Artists are workers, they're creating art, and we consume that art in ways by going to festivals, by buying that art, by, by going into the clubs, by traveling here and staying in hotels or parking to go to the museum or the orchestra or a festival. It all comes together as a big industry. And if we don't advocate for this, we are not going to reach our full potential. I will ask, I mean, one of the things that happens, of course, is you have organizations of various sizes and some of them operate out of Severance Hall and some arts organizations are operating out of a storefront. So how do you provide a unifying force for all of those different groups who often have different goals? Now, they're all about creating great art in some way, but you still have lots of different budgets and lots of different outlooks. How do you unify all those organizations? I know the $64,000 question, right? <laughs> that is a great question. And the great thing about Cleveland, I mentioned, I left out really probably one of the most important and one that's really made the headlines, and that's the creation that the voters made in Cuyahoga County to create something called Cuyahoga Arts and Culture. Most everybody who's involved in the arts in, in Cleveland knows about it because if they are a nonprofit, nine times out of 10, even if they're one of those small nonprofits that you mentioned, they're getting funding from Cuyahoga Arts and Culture. So, so I think using an intermediary like Assembly for the Arts, we're an umbrella organization. We work hand in hand with Cuyahoga Arts and Culture. We work hand in hand with our major institutions and we work hand in hand with individual artists and with creative businesses. So you need an intermediary that can string all of these together. I, I call our organization intermediary because we have, on the one hand, we have a foot in the philanthropy world, a foot in the corporate world, a foot in the government world. On the other hand, we have a foot squarely in community. Uh, one thing I love about this new organization called Assembly for the Arts, which I'm leading up, this new organization created back in June, is our board is representative all of all of these things that you mentioned. There are small organizations there, there are artists there, there are major institutions there, there are business people there, um, there are folks who represent community organizations, uh, which is so impo important a part of this work. And that leads me to my, my next thing, and that's we can't be a successful city if we definitely do not address issues of equity, uh, racial equity and diversity and inclusion. And I'm so thrilled to be here to help the arts and culture sector address that head on. And kudos to those groups that are already doing it. And we're going to take it to the next level. Cleveland needs to lead the headlines as a great art city and as a great equity city. This raises one of the questions that often happens when it's time to discuss funding. And you'll have some people say, well, the, the, you know, the most established arts organizations tend to get the, the lion's share of the funding. And maybe that's because the people who decide who gets the funding are, how, are also on the boards of those organizations. Nothing untoward, but their people feel disenfranchised. They're artists. And they say, well, I'm not even asked or I didn't even know about this. How do, how do we get those people into, involved in this circle? Well, 
you're hitting the the nail on the head with that question. We have to go back and understand there have been inequities across the board in so many areas, and the arts and culture industry is no different. Um, you don't have to go to the headlines too far or Google past Cleveland headlines to, to dive into what those inequities have been. The role of assembly is to create new headlines that, that do talk about how are we supporting, investing in smaller budget, lower budget organizations and individual artists, artists of color, um, our, our black and brown artists uh, who for too often have not been a part of the big tables of support, the big tables of investment. And we need to do that with partnerships. We need to do that by uh, with education and by making linkages. What I've learned here uh, coming to Cleveland, there, there are folks that are already doing this work. I'm really thrilled uh, that I'm already linking with Destination Cleveland and their work around tourism and uh, entertainment and how we link our small artists groups and our, our individual artists with their work that they're doing to promote the city uh, across the land. So that, that's one, one example. How do we make those bridges for all parts of this arts ecosystem? Jeremy Johnson joins us today on The Landscape. We are a Cranes Cleveland podcast presented with the support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. Mr. Johnson is the head of Assembly for the Arts. I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for being with us. Here in Northeast Ohio, Mr. Johnson, we've had these organizations who've been done a wonderful job of supporting the arts, Arts Cleveland, the Arts and Culture Action Committee, and of course, Cuyahoga Arts and Culture, the funding mechanism. So how is this going to work now? Will they all be folded in or does Arts and Culture, uh, Cuyahoga Arts and Culture stay separate? What, what's the breakdown of how things are going to go? So really smart minds before I got here three months ago, were really grappling with that question. Uh, there was uh, some thinking, can't we just put them all into one organization and lead this together, unify this work? Uh, the fact of the matter is we weren't able to do it that simply. Um, let me remind everybody that Cuyahoga Arts and Culture is a state-created organization. It's a state-created entity. And there are certain rules and laws and, and, and uh, that, that, that it has to abide by. Um, so we weren't able to do, uh, I don't want to use the merger word, but we are collaborative, intentionally collaborative with CAC. So... Um, so they have their own board, they have their own regulations. However, we work in tandem with them. And let me remind you that uh, CAC primarily focuses on the nonprofit arts world. Their funding is for nonprofit arts. But as I just mentioned, a huge part of the arts and culture ecosystem in Cleveland is could be for-profit, small businesses, uh, designers, architects, uh, and we're Assembly, we're an umbrella that we can encompass both what CAC is doing with nonprofits, but also the work of individual artists and creatives and also the work of small creative businesses. So we can be that big umbrella for Greater Cleveland. Um, so, uh, so we're coming together. We have agreement. We share board members. That's another reason how we're, we're cross-pollinization is going on here. So uh, that's that we're, we want to be on the same page. So when we make the case to our elected officials, to philanthropy, to the voters, whoever it is, to continue to invest, to continue to lift up, to continue to market Cleveland as a major arts place, a major culture place, that we could do that with a unified voice. Cuyahoga, and arts, Cuyahoga Arts and Culture, much of the funding, of course, comes from the cigarette tax and as more, less, fewer and fewer people smoke, that amount of revenue is going to go down. Is, is there's discussions about where that revenue may come from next as that, as that pot starts to diminish? That is exactly what is 
facing us. That's right in the crystal ball. And we've seen this coming for you know a number of years. It's not unknown to us, all of us, that fewer people are smoking, and that's a great thing. But that means that the pot of dollars that Cuyahoga Arts and Culture has is shrinking. It started when they first started and made headlines as one of the largest uh, local arts funding mechanisms in the country. It was uh, north of $20 million. Now we're down to um, around the $12 million mark, and we know that that will keep decreasing. So one of the roles of assembly is to be creative with our partners and to advocate. How do we supplement? How will we replace that? How Or how do we expand that? What is that going to look like in, in two years, in five years, in 10 years? I think we have to be very creative. I think we have to look uh, at not just Cuyahoga County as a source of support, but also to our city and to our state and certainly to our federal. So we serve as a big advocacy role, meeting with our, our legislators, with our public officials, because those dollars are too important to lose for uh, the ecosystem. And we want to do that, do it in an equitable way, in a way that grows the pie. So I have two things that I'm really sharing with everyone. What is the role of assembly? First, we are going to expand the pie with the great folks we have around the table with our board and our partners and our, our elected officials and others, philanthropy and others. The second thing we're going to do is increase the equity to really address those issues of, of folks not being at the table, not being invested in, but Cleveland can be a city where all, all parts of this ecosystem are supported and invested in to make us a greater city for everybody, for families and children and businesses and for, for jobs and, and for our economic uh, wealth and our economic health. So there's Assembly for the Arts and then a separate a separate committee called Assembly for Action. What's their function? So you just nailed it. Part of uh, us having Assembly for the Arts is to be the nonprofit that can do advocacy work. And for specific things where we, we will have to advocate for specific laws or more specifically political, whether that's a levy or something that's, that could be related to ballot, we need to turn to an actual what is called Assembly for Action, which is a 501c4 organization that is charged with that. There are certain rules and regulations that govern uh, a 501c4 versus Assembly for the Arts, which is a 501c3. I am the president and CEO of both, so we're still under that one umbrella. So we still understand what the other is doing, but we keep it separate from a legal perspective. But that arrow is in our quiver to use it as we need it. So it's very important to have Assembly for Action there to advocate where, when we need to. You mentioned marketing Cleveland as a place for the arts. Is there any thought about marketing outside Northeast Ohio or outside the state of Ohio? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You're, we already see that with our, our international uh, organizations. Uh, you know, I mentioned Playhouse Square. and and uh, But actually, we just recently had the Cleveland Arts Prize with with folks winning from across the country uh, with roots in Cleveland. I, so there, there are lots of opportunity in the market. I'm looking forward again to working with Destination Cleveland and our other partners in the business community to market. But we've, we've all got to be at the same table together. Um, and, and that's really how this, this works. Marketing Cleveland is going to be important. We know our, our population is declining according to the last census, how do we begin to turn that around? What are jobs in the arts and culture sector that can help build that attraction and retention of people? Um, I think we could play a role in that as well. We have in the past, uh, so many people in that, that I've met, uh, even if they don't work for the institutions in, in university circle, 
there's always like two degrees of separation from those cultural organizations. So, uh, yeah, so we could definitely work on the marketing and we're looking forward to being uh, in partnership with those who are doing that in a big way in Cleveland. Finally, as we fight our way out of the pandemic, I had a chance to speak to Gladisa Guadalupe, who's the artistic director of Cleveland Ballet. And we were talking about the issue of audiences and people, we were forced inside and we were looking at our devices even more than usual. And that's where our entertainment came from. Is there a concern or do we have to re-educate people to say, of course, health factors and being safe is the most important thing that it's time to get back out and, and enjoy the live arts. Like just don't stay home and watch Netflix all day. Yeah, that is certainly really big. Uh, I, I, I think we all have been thinking about the role of the arts as we come out of the pandemic. One of the easiest things that I found that we all can enjoy and that it's both healthy and good for us to get out is to enjoy the public art in our city and our region. And part of this thing called Cleveland Walls, which is just a whole flurry of, of murals and outdoor art in the Midtown area of Cleveland. But there, there, there's public art across the city, uh, across the region. Getting out, understanding how where that is with your kids and your families, uh, in our parks, in our public spaces, uh, on the lake, that is that is key. Getting your vitamin D from the sun by being out there. So that's one way. But but also just getting back to be with people, whether that's in a performance hall, in a gallery, uh, at a festival, um, uh, even in our public spaces, our city hall or other other public spaces that have art. Um, we do need to get back. I think we're slowly getting back, observing protocols. This past uh, weekend, I, I was at Severance Music Center. I, I, I was at Karamu House. Um, uh, and I've been uh, you know, on the near west side. I was at, at the Pivot Center uh, recently for an event by uh, the, the theater company there. And, um, and so uh, there are people are doing this in the arts right now. Let me be let me make it very clear. The arts community is coming back in a, in a big way. They are, they're grappling with how to make sure that their audiences are safe. And part of Assembly's role is really to amplify that. Be safe, you know, following our government protocols. But we have to get back to the business at hand, being a, a big art center where, where jobs are taking place and people are being entertained and, and really enriched by all the arts and culture. Jeremy Johnson, thanks so much for joining us and welcome back to Northeast Ohio. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. Jeremy Johnson is the president and CEO of Assembly for the Arts. He joined us today for The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. We're presented with support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. On behalf of our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.